Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. So if you, um, you want to see more of that, you can go to Block... Wait, no, you can't go to Blockbuster. Um, you could hack into the Smithsonian and uh, probably find uh, that, uh, that movie. But um, I, I, I played that because... Uh, what that movie, uh, or what that scene in, in that movie does is it reminds us of how fast uh, life goes and how easy it is to feel like uh, that we're a bystander in our own story, that life is going so fast that we're uh, kind of almost on the outside uh, looking in, that it happens to us and, and that we're kind of powerless in it and we're kind of moving through this so fast uh, that it feels out of control to us, and, and we're not really quite sure what to do, but we, we kind of lift our heads, and we've gone from one decade to the other, and we don't even know how we got there, and it's a little bit unnerving for some of us, and, and there's a tendency then to just sort of settle in and uh, try to slow it down somehow by not participating and allowing it to kind of go on with us. And, and, and we want to talk about what, we want to talk about that this morning because last week we had this, uh, we talked about grabbing a word for this year. W- what would be a word that we could look at, my one word that, that God could use to transform us from the inside out and, and do something radically different in our lives this year. And, and I know that some of you thought about it because I got some great emails and, uh, from people saying, uh, I've got my list down to 15 and I can't seem to narrow it down to one thing. There's so many things in my life that, that I need to fix. And, and so I would write back and say, you know, it's not about fixing all of these things, but it's about l- latching on to one thing that you want God to do in your life, one transformational thing uh, that you want God to do in your life this year and, and giving your focus and, and your attention to that. One guy wrote that I just about gotten it down to one until I asked my wife and then my list grew again when she told me all the things I needed to do. But again, this isn't about fixing our lives. This is about allowing God to transform us. It's something that God does from the inside out. We used Romans 12, 2, where uh, Paul says, uh, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the idea of being conformed is outside forces shaping who we are, but the idea of being transformed is being shaped from the inside out by God's spirit and allowing him to do something. And, and so we talked about having that one word that might help us. Well, this morning, uh, this morning we're gonna start in a new series uh, called uh, Five One Things. We're gonna kinda keep this idea of one going here with us, but it's five one things. It's five places in the scripture where it talks about one thing. Uh, this one thing I do, this one thing you need, this one thing I know, and we're gonna talk about, we're gonna talk about five one things. What are one thing that we can grab a hold of that God can use to transform us uh, into his likeness, that the goal in life is to look like Jesus, it's to be transformed into his image, and how does he do that? Because we can't do it. It's not up to us, but it's up to him. So this morning, we're gonna look at the first one, and it's out of Philippians 3, uh, verses 13 and 14. So let's read these, this together. And uh, just for clarity's sake, this word brothers is, uh, the Greek word is, really translates siblings, so we could read it brothers and sisters. I do not consider 
that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, there you go, there's the hot tip, one thing I do, what's the one thing I do? Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to uh, what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3, 13 of 14. So the Apostle Paul is challenging us. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I I do not consider that I've arrived or that I've accomplished it or I've gotten there. Um, If if you read the book of Philippians, there's a couple of things going on. Uh, One is that there's some religious or some Christians, Jewish Christians, that have decided that if you aren't Jewish, if you didn't grow up Jewish, but you come to Christ, that, that in order to really be a Christian, in order to really uh, have Christ in your life, that you need to become a Jew first, and then you can be a whole Christian. That, that just following Christ isn't enough, but you gotta add to it. And Paul uh, constantly preaches in his writings that it's Jesus plus nothing, that we come to Christ uh, as we are, and he accepts us as we are, and he takes it from there, uh, that you don't have to add anything, you don't have to do anything, uh, but it's about giving your life to Jesus. And so he's challenging this idea uh, that they're promulgating that you have to add something uh, to your faith. The other thing that's going on is that these same people were, were telling folks that they had kind of arrived, that they, had got, they were sort of perfect Christians. They did everything right. They prayed just enough. They acted just right. They, they had sort of arrived at this perfect spot uh, in their faith. And so the Apostle Paul says, look at my life. I haven't arrived yet. I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't, I've, I've, not, I've not achieved perfection. We'll never achieve perfection. He says, I, I've not made it my own. I haven't accomplished that. But, here, but one thing I do, but one thing I do, he wants us to know, and this is what he says, that I, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, that Paul wants us to understand that he's given his whole life to something. That he says, first of all, forgetting what lies behind behind. That, that I'm, uh, th- there's, a, there's a great uh, old saying um, that, that we, uh, we have a slide for it, that I, um, that I give my life, that I, uh, I'm sorry, where is it? I learn, we learn, there we are, we learn from our past, we don't live in it. We learn from our past, we don't live in it. Uh, that's, that's the call that we have. Paul's saying, forgetting what lies behind, that I'm not captive to my failures, but I'm also not captive to my successes. It's not about what I've done, it's not about what I've accomplished, but it's also not about all the other things. In chapter three of Philippians, he gives his resume. He, he says, you know what, as, as far as a religious person, I was the most religious person you'd ever meet. I was a Pharisee, I was a teacher of the law. I kept the law with such zeal, with such earnestness, with such fervor, that I was a Jew of Jews. I had followed all of those things since birth, that I knew all of the verses that I was supposed to know. I had attended all of the ceremonies and the rituals that I was supposed to attend. I did all of those things. I even persecuted Christians. I went after them. I I told them that they were wrong, and I was part of the murder of, of Stephen. I was part of all of that stuff, and yet I forget what lies behind. He's saying, I forget my failures. I forget my sins. I forget all those things. Those things don't define me anymore, but I'm pressing forward that there is something else going on in my life, that God has done something in my life. I don't, I've learned from those failures and I've learned from those successes, but I'm not living there. We, we all know people that kind of live in the past, right? 
that, uh, that I, I've got friends, and, and after, oh, yeah, 10, 12 years since high school, don't laugh that loud, okay. But after all these years from high school, when, when I see them, they still go back to those same stories. I'm thinking, where, are you been a, you've been in a time capsule. What happened to you? That, that, that's still where they live. They're still living those old stories. There's nothing new. There's nothing exciting in their life. They're still back there. And, and that can happen if that's the best part of our lives was lived then. We can get stuck there. Or maybe we felt like we did so many things wrong when we were young or at a different point in our life that those things that we did wrong define us and we can never get out of it that I'm always gonna be that person. And the Apostle Paul says, forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. He says, there is something that I press into. There is something that I go hard, as hard as I possibly can. Well, it's really interesting, and, and we've had a, a movie clip, and, and we're gonna have a couple of quotes, and, and so we're gonna get a couple of Greek words in here this morning, uh, but this, this idea of pressing uh, is also in verse six, and in verse six, it's translated persecute, that it's the relentless pursuit of something, that Paul said, I persecuted Christians, I went after them, I was relentless in trying to punish them for being Christians. He says, that same energy, that same passion, I now use to press in to know Christ, to press in to my faith, that I am straining forward. It's an athletic term, it creates a picture of, of an athlete who's coming to the finish line and leans in to the finish line. If you've watched big races, if you've watched 100 meters or some of those races in the Olympics and you see that, that sometimes the runner even dives across the finish line, Paul says that's the picture, that I'm leaning in, that I'm pushing as hard as I can. I'm relentlessly going after this one thing, that I've forgotten what's in the past. I'm moving forward to what God has for me in the future and now we come to what maybe we all sort of look for. What's the prize? He says, I lean forward to the prize, the thing that I wanna capture in my life. And he tells us what it is in, in verse 10. And this is what he says, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, we like the first two, right? The, the first two sort of, they, they, they work for us. So, you know, that I, that, that, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, uh, to, to know him is, it seems like a good idea. Uh, we love power, so to, the idea if we could get power, that's, that seems okay to us. But then to share in his sufferings is sort of where you lose it, you know, it's kind of like, okay, can I do two out of three? Can I, is this a multiple choice? Uh, can, I, can I pick one and skip that last one and, and kind of move on? But Paul says, no, it's these three things, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings. So here, let's just look at the first one. Here, here's, your, here's your next Greek word. It's called, it's gnosko. It's to know, and it's not about knowing stuff. It's not ha about having information uh, about things, but it's a relationship. It's built on experience, that I may know Christ, that I may know him, that I've experienced him. It's not just how much we know, but it's who we know. It's the depth that we know. It's the experience that we have in Christ. The Apostle Paul is writing this 
25 to 30 years after he came to Christ, after he was on the Damascus Road and he encountered Jesus. Now he's writing this, and here's what Paul wants us to understand. He says, for the last 25 or 30 years, I've been following Christ. I've been straining forward. I've been leaning into who Jesus is. And after all this, here's what I'm gonna tell you. I've barely scratched the surface. I am just beginning to know Jesus. And it's not because it's so hard, it's because Jesus is so big. He's so big, he's so powerful, he's so deep, he's so amazing, uh, he's so great that you could spend the next 25 to 30 years of your life pouring in, pushing forward, straining to know him, and you would still just barely be getting started, not because it's so hard, but because he's so great that we can spend our lives getting to know him and never run out, never get to the end, never reach perfection, but we're constantly growing, constantly being challenged, constantly moving toward him in our relationship with him. That's what it means to know him. It means to experience him in life. And that takes time. And then he says to, to know him and the power of his resurrection. This word power is an interesting word for us too. It's, it's the Greek word is dunamis. Anybody know maybe what English word we get from that? Dynamite, yeah, it's dynamite. It's this explosive that I might know the explosive power of his resurrection, the power that raised Jesus from the grave, the power that burst through when he came out of the tomb. That same power, Paul says, is available to us, that we can experience that kind of power, that we can know the God of the universe, uh, we can know him intimately, we can experience him, and it's his power, it's that resurrection power of Jesus that transforms us. And sometimes we think it's about us, sometimes we think it's about what we do, and it's about the resurrection power of Jesus that lives in us. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the power that, that brought Jesus from the tomb resides in us? That we have that to tap into? Our life should be really different, huh? But here's what he does with that power. He transforms us into the image of Jesus that we become the visible expression of Jesus in the world, that he wants to shape us from the inside out. This isn't about, you know, this isn't about you having the ability to walk on water. This is you, about you becoming like Jesus, to look like Christ, to talk like Christ, to express who you are in Jesus, to allow people to see Christ through your life. This is about us becoming less so that Christ can become more in our lives, so that we can be his light in a dark world. It's all about Jesus, it's not about us. Sometimes we get confused, we think of words like power and we think about us becoming powerful and what he's saying is that it's about Jesus becoming powerful in you. It's the power that we have is because of who Jesus is. And it's the power to transform our lives so that we look like him. And so Paul says, that's what I lean into. That's what I'm straining for. That's what I've given my life to, to know Jesus and, and the power of his resurrection. What a remarkable idea. What, what, a, what an amazing thing. And, and here's what he's saying. He says that we settle we, we kind of think it's my, well, when I was a teenager and then in my 20s and my 30s and we live our lives and life kind of goes by us. And he says, what are you focusing on? What are you giving your life to? 
What are you straining for? What are you leaning into? Are you leaning into things that you don't need really in your life? Or are you leaning into knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection? And then he says that last one that we'd rather avoid, and to share in his sufferings. To share in his sufferings. I prefer comfort. Uh, I prefer easiness. I, I prefer avoiding conflict, avoiding suffering, all of those things. But, but the Apostle Paul says this goes with experiencing Jesus because what happens in suffering is that we ask ourselves the question, what do I really believe? Am I willing to follow Jesus in spite of everything else that's going around? Do I really believe in, the, in knowing him and the power of his resurrection when, when my life seems to be out of control and everything seems to be going the wrong way? Do I really believe in Jesus? And it's only when we suffer that we, we see our character. It's only in suffering that we get to make that decision that yes, in spite of everything else, Lord, I'm gonna trust you. You have my life. Uh, I, I am committed to you and that God takes us to a depth that we could never get to without that suffering that we experience him in deeper and greater ways than we ever could before and we decide that we belong to him and it's not about how good my life is it's not about how easy it is but it's about do I trust him does he have my life years ago I had the privilege of spending an evening with a pastor named Richard Wormbrand and Richard Wormbrand was a Lutheran pastor in Romania who loved Jesus And in 1945, after World War II, the the communists came into Romania and started shutting down churches and started changing the rules. And and Richard Wormbrandt said, you know, probably not on my watch. And uh, there's a picture of him. And and he began to um, preach and encourage people who were suffering. And then uh, I love this about him, that he decided, wow, we've got all of these Soviet soldiers in Romania, they need to hear about Jesus. And so he was preaching to the Soviet soldiers that had invaded his country. It reminded me of the Apostle Paul when, when he was thrown and in, in, uh, imprisoned in Rome. And he said, isn't this awesome that I've got a Roman soldier that's chained to me eight hours a day? He can't get away. He's going to hear about Jesus. I've got a captive audience. Well, Pastor Wormbrandt thought all of these Soviet, God has sent all of these Soviet soldiers to Romania so that we can share Jesus with them. And, and he had this ministry to people who were suffering and and people who were in prison, but also to these Soviet soldiers. And what happened as a result of that is that he was thrown into prison. And he spent three years, his first three years in prison, uh, there's a picture of his prison years. He was in solitary confinement for three solid years. And then they moved him for five years to a group cell. And and when I met Pastor Wormbrandt, he was wearing slippers because they had beaten his feet so severely uh, that they were deformed and he couldn't wear regular shoes and he had to wear slippers. So here we are in this little group of people and, and here's Pastor Wormbrandt with his little slippers on because he can't wear regular shoes. And, and when he stood up, you could see that his back was deformed because they had beaten him so often on the back that his back had all of these ridges uh, on it from the beatings that he had taken. And so he spent eight years imprisoned like this, he was released from prison and he went right back out and started preaching again, right back out and started serving those who were suffering and, and sharing the gospel with the Soviet soldiers. And, and they, they grabbed him again, they arrested him again, they threw him back in prison. He spent all of these years in prison till finally a group of Christians had raised money and they were buying people out uh, of prison 
in Romania, and uh, the average cost was $1,900 to get somebody out of prison, but the uh, Soviets decided that Richard Wormbrandt was worth $10,000, and that's what it cost uh, to get him uh, out of prison. He went right back uh, to, to ministering to people, and these, these folks that had bought him out, they convinced he and his wife to emigrate uh, out of Romania. They brought him out, but he started this organization called the Voice of Martyrs. He co-founded this organization that's still active today, uh, still uh, telling the world where people around the world are suffering for their faith and, and where we, how we can support them and how that we can come alongside them. And that ministry is, is still going on. But the night that I met with Pastor Wormbrandt, he said something that I've never forgotten. It, it was so important. He said this. He said, I pray every day for the church in America. He said, I pray every day for the church in America because you haven't been persecuted, because you don't know what it's like to put your life on the line for your faith, that you've never had that experience, and I worry that when it comes, and what he says, and it will come, he said, that you won't be ready. And so I pray every day for the church in America that you'll be ready that when it gets really hard, when the persecution comes, that you won't buckle, uh, that you won't fall, that you'll be ready for it, that God will have you ready. And, and you see, what, what happens in our lives is that when we determine forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward to what lies ahead, that what God has, to know him, to know him intimately, to experience him, uh, to know the power of his resurrection that no matter what happens to me, the power of his resurrection is, is pretty amazing because it, it talks about two things for us, really. Um, one, the power of his resurrection says to me that someday, no matter what happens, that someday I'm gonna stand with Jesus, that I'm gonna spend eternity with him, that the power of his resurrection, that because Christ rose from the grave, that he has the power then for me that someday he says, Larry, you'll be with me for eternity, that because he keeps his promise and because he's powerful enough, because God raised him from the tomb, that he will keep that promise and someday I will spend eternity with him. And the power of his resurrection reminds me where I'm gonna spend eternity. And so at the end of the day, no matter how bad it is, I know how this turns out. I know where I'm gonna end up. I know the promise that he's made to me that I'm gonna spend eternity with him. Well, there's another part of the promise of the power of the resurrection, and that's simply this, the Galatians 2.20. says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith through him who gave himself for me. That the power of the resurrection says this, that I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me, that I was dead in my sin, that I was separated from God, that there was nothing I could do on my own and God sent his only son to give his life on a cross. He raised him out of the tomb so that not only do I have life for eternity, but I have the resurrected Christ. I have the power of the resurrection living in me, transforming me, empowering me to become the picture of Jesus to the world, to be who God wants me to be, who he created me me to be, that that is living in me. That's unbelievable good news. That that's what we have. That's what he's promised us. That's what God does for us. And Richard Wormbrand said, I pray every day. 
I pray every day that God will prepare you through his sufferings, through pressing into him, through the knowledge of him, through the power of his resurrection, that when the challenges come, that when the sufferings come, you won't buckle, that you'll be prepared. I was thinking about that a little bit different um, this week too, that, that, you know, I'm a dad, and thinking about, you know, when we think about the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, on and on, you know, I don't want to get too far and date myself here, but we think about our legacy. And what is it that we want to leave behind? What, do, what did I want my sons to remember? What did I want to give them? What did I want to leave behind for them? And, and you know, I've come to the conclusion that, that it's not what I've accomplished. It's not that my degrees, uh, it's not money, um, it's not stuff, um, it's not them being impressed with all the stuff that their dad did, but what I want, the legacy that I want to leave is that my sons know that their dad always pressed into Jesus, that, that he leaned into Christ, that, that he trusted in the power of the resurrection, that when suffering and hardship came, uh, that he shared in the sufferings of Christ with hope and confidence because of who Jesus is, not who he is. And if I can leave that kind of legacy, that's what I want to leave behind. That's what I want to have marked my life, not all the other stuff. The other stuff comes and goes. You can't guarantee any of that. You can't, you can't make your kids successful. You can't make them uh, have stuff. You can't do any of that, but what you can leave for them is a passion for Jesus. You can leave for them an example of what it means to lean into Christ, to know him, to experience him, uh, to, to, to begin to grasp the power of his resurrection and to share in his sufferings, that we can leave, that we can model, that we can give. And so what really matters in our lives, that's what we want to leave behind, right? And when I look at what I want my life to focus on, I don't want my life just to sort of go by me. I don't want to be a bystander as my life kind of flies by. But, but, I, but I want to be in the middle of whatever it is that God is doing, and I want to be in the middle of what he wants to do in my life. I want to lean into Jesus. I want to pursue him relentlessly. I want to experience the power of his resurrection in my life. So how do we do that? That's the question, right? It, it requires our attention. It requires all of our attention. It, it requires devotion. It requires a commitment to say, Lord, I want to lean into you. What, is that, what does that look like? How do you want me to do that? And here's the thing I want you to understand is that I don't think we can do it by ourselves. I, I don't want anybody to walk out this morning and say, you know, I gotta, I gotta read my Bible five hours a day and I gotta pray like 10 because I, I gotta get all of this down. But I, I don't think that's how this happens because we're gonna fail at that. Um, but, but we need each other. I had a friend tell me one time, Lear, if you wanna be on fire for Jesus, then hang around people who are on fire for Jesus. Uh, find some friends who love Christ and, and share that with each other. Share your life with each other. Do that together. Make that kind of commitment together. Li live in community and help each other 
to be passionate about Jesus. Help each other to, to grow in Christ. W- whatever it takes. You know, we throw those words out so easily. Uh, the idea of growing in Christ or discipleship or whatever, we throw those words around. But what do they really mean to us? It, it means that I forget what lies behind and I press forward to know him and the power of his resurrection and to share in his suffering. That's what I want my life to be about. Uh, Theologian D.A. Carlson said this one time, Christians should never be satisfied with yesterday's grace, that we're always pursuing, that we're relentlessly leaning into Jesus, that we're always growing, that we're always going deeper into him, knowing that as deep and as far as we can possibly go, uh, that that, that he is greater than that. Paul says in Ephesians 3, he reminds us, he says that my prayer uh, is that you will know the love of Jesus. Uh, You will know the height and the depth and the width and the length of the love of Christ. That we would get to that point, but we would still only be scratching the surface because he's that big. He's that great. And that's what we want our lives to be about. That's what we want to give our lives to. And we need to do it together. We need to be part of this together. There are no lone rangers. Nobody's good enough to do it on their own. But together, as we pursue Jesus and encourage each other, it'll be amazing to see what God can do. Together, as we tap into the power that raised him from the grave, it'll be amazing to see what God can do in our lives and what God can accomplish through us as he molds us, as he changes us. So we keep our eye on the prize together. So I'd like you to do me a favor this morning. As the band gets ready to come back up, I'd like you to stand with me and uh, read this passage together, out loud, one more time. I know I'm kind of throwing you off. Pastor doesn't usually ask us to stand. This is kind of out of my comfort zone, but we're gonna do this together. All right, so would you join me in reading these verses together? And it's brothers and sisters, by the way. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts, but first, We wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. You know, the... Deep down inside of us, the call in all of us, the hunger in all of us is to know Jesus like that. That you can have all the rest of the world that give me Jesus. I mean, that's what we really want. But then we, we walk out of this room, we walk out the doors of this building, and, and it's, just, it's just this like this magnet comes to suck all of that out of us, to, to distract us and, and to take control of our lives and to push us in all kinds of different directions, to draw us into all kinds of things. And we need to be reminded that you can have 
uh, all this world, but I want Christ. I want to pursue him. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to trust him and experience his sufferings, and I, that's what I want my life to be about. You can have the world, but give me, give me Jesus. Uh, we have prayer partners be waiting today that love to pray with you, and, and also our, our prayer table. Um, please take advantage of those things. And I, I've mentioned this before, but if you're, if you're a visitor this morning, if you're new, uh, that, those prayer places, that prayer partners, the prayer table, as much for you as anybody else, take advantage of that. We love praying with you and, and for you. And, and my prayer is simply this, that we'll forget what lies behind, that we'll press on toward the goal of knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection and experiencing his sufferings with him and in him. I love you guys. Have a great day. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.